And we are back on the program. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is Gesundheit with Jacobus. I am your host, Jacobus Holloway. Chuck Martel in the studio with us. With us also in the studio is Bob Kasmer. Robert Kasmer, licensed <laughs> psychotherapist in private practice right here in Bozeman, Montana. We are uh, we are talking about his his the majority of his work, which is called Imago Relationship Therapy. And uh, you can contact him at robertkasmer.com, robertkasmer.com. You can find the information, and um, you, you can also call him by phone, 585-2710, 585-2710, to, uh, to learn more about uh, how his practice works and how, that, you know, how, how he does that, and if it is for you. We were talking about divorces right mm-hmm. before we went to the commercial break. I mentioned that. We sometimes see people that are a success story in spite of the problems that they're in. You mm-hmm. mentioned that divorces where the father stays close to the family, mm-hmm. uh, where it really is a relationship between uh, an issue between the the parents, mm-hmm. as long as the father stays involved with the, with the children, that there is a higher chance of ch- children being successful. Yeah, I, I don't know. Successful, yes. Well-adjusted. They do pretty well. They don't do that much different than kids that are in uh, uh, two-parent homes. But, uh, again, the fathers stay involved, and hopefully the mothers. I think when Wallerstein did this study, it's probably 15 years old. Uh, Back then, I think kids were almost exclusively going to the mothers. That's starting to shift, and... uh, uh, it's imper- important that uh, imperative that both parents are parents. They don't have yes. to be uh, a married couple anymore. Mm-hmm. We're just we're just true. On the other <clears throat> hand, it all starts with um, with the couple, the the parents mm-hmm. themselves, or the two adults. So that is in a way the basics. Now I have heard in the past that when people start dating, it probably would be a good idea that if they decide they would like to get married, that they should do some therapy together because all that, that would bring out some of the strong points and the weak points and where there may be differences. Are you a fan of that? Well, I think I have some mixed feelings about it. All right. I think that uh, often what I've seen, not always, that a young couple comes in, maybe not even a young couple, but let's say a young couple comes in, they want to do a couple sessions about uh, a premarital therapy, often what I've seen is intellectually they know this is a good idea. Emotionally, I see that they're often not really able, willing to look at some of the problems. They're in that romantic stage, and love is blind, and Mm -hmm. they often don't want to look at the tough stuff. I think that there's some workshops and things that may help them begin to look at it. And also some uh, uh, some churches require that they have premarital therapy, and that doesn't seem to be as successful just because therapy at gunpoint really doesn't work. There's, they often come in, well, I'll do this, but we don't need it. Well, we'll do this. I don't want to be here. And so... Um, I have some concerns about that, but I think at my job, even if people aren't really willing to sit down in the romantic stage and look at some of the problems that uh, may be mildly dormant or camouflaged, 
I, I think I can plant some seeds of how to maybe come to grips with it, but how to deal with it and normalize that couples are going to struggle and that it's not the struggle that is important. It's the solution that we try. And if, uh, if we go to um, the fight-or-flight response, which everybody does, yeah. it's not going to work. And so I want to plant the seed that we can find better ways to deal with it. And to normalize the pattern that it's, we're going to come out of the romantic stage and there's going to be disharmony at times. Hmm. There, is, uh, there is something that comes to mind as I was uh, preparing for the show. I looked at the um, little video clip of Harvell Hendricks on your, on your website. Uh-huh. And um, uh, we have a call on hold, but we get to the call in just a moment. So please don't hang up. Um, they talk about the importance of dialogue. So mm-hmm. now let's think about a premarital relationship, uh, the suggestion of doing some therapy together. Mm-hmm. Uh, Harvell b- b- says there are three dialogue. Dialogue is a structured process. Yes. And he says there are three things that are essential here. That is mirroring, mm-hmm. validation, mm-hmm. and feeling empathy. Mm-hmm. If you work with somebody in a premarital counseling session, between as far as the mirroring, the validation, and the empathy mm-hmm. is concerned, are those not present at the time? Oh, absolutely. But uh, that's the tool. But if they're saying we're fine, we don't have any problems, that denial keeps them from really addressing what's going on. And so... I don't know if you want me now or later to describe that. that no, let, let's do that later. Okay. Because I kind of wanted to follow this up and let's see what our caller has to say. Caller, oh. good morning. Your name, please. How can we help you? Well, you can call me Muggled. Uh, hey, Daniel, good morning to you. Yeah, sounds something like Imaggio, but uh, Muggled was a famous performing chimpanzee. Um, now, one of the things that I've heard on this uh, philosophy is that... Uh, People, when choosing a mate, often choose some of the worst aspects of the image of their parents. And that, that sounds kind of mysterious, why uh, intelligent, rational people would do that. Uh, is there a uh, principle of why we'd be uh, outed enough to uh, choose a mate like our parents, but choose uh, some of the worst aspects of our parents' personality? <clears throat> Uh, should I address that now? Yeah, please go ahead. Well, Muggles, I, let me start with your <laughs> let me start with your premise. <clears throat> the premise that humans are intelligent and logical is a myth. Um, what we do know is that intelligence is hijacked by emotion over and over and over again. And we just see that in day-to-day living. How many of us know that eating fast food too often, smoking cigarettes and whatever else we do, we know it's not good for us, but other parts of us take over. And so uh, it is a mystery, uh, and I agree with you, but uh, what we know about humans is they're going to follow what they know, what is familiar, not what is good for them. And Often, it's really unconscious. Uh, People 
you know, when they first meet, you hear statements like, oh, I felt like I've known you all my life. Nobody understands me the way you do. And what they're really saying is, this is really familiar. And it's often from uh, unconscious childhood um, memories. And so um, we do get hijacked by those emotions. They say that one of the reasons economists were often so wrong in the past is they were assuming that humans were intelligent and rational. But (laughs) unfortunately, uh, we get hijacked by our emotions. But why is it indeed, like uh, like he says, why is it indeed the worst characteristics? Why don't we why don't we have the, the the best characteristics? Well, this is the theory, and I don't know. It's like a lot of theories; you can't absolutely prove it. But the theory is that we, well, let me back up. The theory is that Harville Hendricks, his wife, and others say is, is that. Whether you want to call it God or nature, I don't want to get into that debate. It's not, that's not what this is about. But God or nature wants us to become as whole and healthy as possible. And to do that, we, the belief is, need to address, heal uh, old wounds from childhood, dysfunctional feelings, dysfunctional behavior. And so by choosing somebody who has similar traits, characteristics that uh, were from our parents, the unhealthiest, it is an opportunity if you have a cooperative partner to go back, get more clarity, understand the source, and then begin to change behavior and uh, emotion. It's just kind of a circular uh, process. I see. Uh, all right. Uh, now I have a personal question, then I can leave and you can continue. But uh, uh, You're welcome uh, I, to hang out. What is it? You're welcome to hang out, Muggles. Oh, in the periphery. <laughs> okay. Yeah, uh, yeah, like an angel. I, I'm, now, I've never been married, uh, and I remember saying to myself when I was younger uh, that uh, seeing all these divorces around me, it doesn't seem much purpose to even uh, try to... Uh, uh, find, land the mate because they'll be gone. Mm-hmm. But since uh, I'm a never say die person, uh, there, there's going to be an aging single parties, aging singles party on Sunday. So there'll be a lot of us that have been around the block. Uh, can you give us any hints of how we can uh, recognize each other as good mates, even though that we're in our 40s, 50s, 60s? So you want to know at this get together. Are, are there any clues that would help people recognize whether the person they're interested in is a good match? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, anything like that. Uh, what would make uh, the, uh, the oil to make it smoother in a uh, aging single party? Because it's kind of different than just being in a bar with a bunch of 20-year-olds. Yeah. Uh, well, let me think about this. I think one of, some of the things I would look at, and I don't know if I have any empirical data for this, but... Is there eye contact? Does this person seem to want to listen? Um, what are they talking about? Uh, what is their body language telling me? How safe do I feel with this person? I think tuning into our body, because our body is a great barometer of what we're experiencing, what we're feeling. And they may trigger emotions, but then it's, it, it, there are emotions. We need to listen to it. And I don't know if we can, other than intuitively sense in the first meeting, whether this is somebody we we want to have a second encounter with. 
Uh, I mean, I think it takes more than one encounter to really say, well, yeah, I think there's potential here. I think we have to go off, well, I'm attracted, they listened, uh, I enjoyed them, there was some kind of connection. Hmm. And I don't know if I can give advice uh, how to get there in one session. Oh. I think uh, I would like to be able to give you an answer, but if I could, I might be on Oprah instead of Jacoba's show. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let me take off then. Uh, okay. Well, that's a, that's a good question, Daniel. I, uh, oh. I appreciate that. Sorry right. I couldn't give you more information. Oh, well, because it is, it is a battle uh, for those who have gone through relationships who are now in the single path or people like yourself who have never been married and, and wonder how it would be, but how, how do you start? Where do you, how do you approach it? You know, that's a, because, and, and this is actually a very good point because as Bob and I were talking before the show, understanding intimacy is one of the missing keys when relationship is not going well. Mm -hmm. So what intimacy means it has a different meaning for different people. Absolutely, and it is the key in any relationship that you feel in, that you feel intimacy, connection, yeah. connection. That's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah, to the politicians and economic uh, shakers and movers around us too. If we could feel more connected to them, uh, we'd be able to trust them better. Yeah, but it is with need. With that's a good point also. But it shows indeed that everything in life is relationship. You're mm -hmm. either, you're, you know, and that's why Bob says it is very hard to be in a relationship completely by yourself. We're all, always looking for relationship. Is mm -hmm. that fair to say, for Bob? I mean, yeah. for if, it, if it is between a, a parent and a child or between two adults or friends or yeah. a teacher, student, or whatever it is. All in radio. Yeah. <laughs> uh, your uh, pets, I think, are... There are all ways that people are trying to stay connected or get connected. Uh -huh. Well, thanks for the call, Dan. All right. Toodaloo. Toodaloo. Good, uh, good call. That's uh, because that is a actually it helps us to move into this uh, into this topic of the intimacy. Mm -hmm. What what is intimacy? You already mentioned the eye contact and mm -hmm. feeling that there is a there is a connection back that, mm -hmm. that you feel this warmth from another person. Could you explain what intimacy means in, in your work? Well, I think, you know, first of all, I want to say that you're right. It, it, intimacy means something different for every single person. And even in coupleship, it always, now I'm cautious about saying always, but a huge percentage of the time, intimacy means different things to each person in the coupleship. Mm -hmm. They both have an idea, often unconscious, I call it the covert contract, of how we are going to stay connected and have this relationship, pursue this relationship. And usually there's one that is in the coupleship that is more comfortable with uh, a close and intimate relationship, and then there's one that's more comfortable with distance. And every relationship seems to have a pursuer and a distancer hmm. and so intimacy i think in an ideal way is putting down your defenses long enough to really be in the present with your partner mm -hmm. and 
not be thinking of what you're going to counter what they said, not thinking about what's dinner for dinner, but just really being present with the healthiest part of you. There's no time and space. You're there. Yes. And it may be a connection of 10 seconds, 10 minutes, but we know that that's intimacy. Uh, well, at least I think that's intimacy, is when people, you see a huge shift when I can get people to peel back their defenses and just really be present for their partner. They go from almost instantly from a, a conflict and feeling acrimony to feel you watch their faces change, their eyes soften, their breathing deepens, and they just feel much more relaxed. It's developing a sense of safety, which leads to a sense of intimacy. I have said in the past that people go to therapy sessions until they hit that point where the light switch goes on. Mm -hmm. Is that fair to say? I mean, it is, it is your knowledge, your expertise that you use in your observing the people you're working with mm -hmm. that you can make that one comment that all of a sudden they say, that's it, I get it. Well, I don't know I, if I see that that often. Here's more how I look at it. Okay. A, I, I will probably offend many colleagues, but I believe this is that awareness does not necessarily cause change. Mm, okay. And uh, maybe because of my background in construction, but I want to see people change. Just being aware... Uh, does not often or always create change. So that's a good place to start is having some awareness, but then we want to deepen awareness, create ways that people can start to change, have a partner, if I'm doing couples, that will support them doing this change. We're asking the brain to change neural pathways, shut down dysfunctional ones, and open up new ones. So it when we think about the biology of the brain and just having one comment tip us over into a new world, it happens. But in my experience, not that often. Maybe it's because I'm not very qualified. I don't know. But, <laughs> but what I do believe is that each person that comes to my office is an expert on themselves. Mm -hmm. They know infinitely more about themselves and their workings than I ever will or need to know. Sure. But my job is to present information, prod, ask questions, use humor to begin to get them to peel back defenses, dysfunctional thinking that's harming them, and become their own expert. So I don't know if that helps the question you asked. Well, I think in a way that you somehow there has to be, uh, once once the switch goes on, mm -hmm. then you can say the real work starts. Because now we, we have a willing participant mm -hmm. in a process where they say, okay, I see right now where right. I need to help. And now please help me. Yeah, and I hopefully... What I see, going back to the dragger and the draggy, often the woman dragging the husband, but not always, once I think they feel safe in my office or any other therapist's office for that matter, um, and they begin to lower their guard, 
and see what I'm talking about makes sense, then they're engaged in the process. It ha- Again, it is about relationship and it's about relationship with the client, the therapist, the clients and the therapist and creating a safe place to begin the exploration process. Okay. That's good. Let's let's stop right there, and then when we come back, we're going to continue okay. where we left off. Uh, I appreciate you're in the studio today with me, uh, folks. Robert Casmer is with me. Make sure you make it count because it's good stuff. And of course, many of you are taking notes. Keep doing that as well. We'll be right back. Stay tuned, please. The next generation of alternative medicine. Gesundheit with Jacobus 